When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mully and Haw Show on 6-7 to score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears. Today, the day after... The end of the regular season, the Bears 17-9 loss at Lambeau Field to the Green Bay Packers is locker cleanout day, Dan. We have both covered many of those. <laughs> what was the vibe like at Hallis Hall? And as you cautioned everybody, um, there wasn't a lot of news at Hallis Hall on Monday as we sit here on Monday late afternoon taping this pod Uh what was the vibe and when do you expect the first trickle of news to be coming out of Hallis? Yes. Yeah, so we'll start with the vibe and, and locker clean out day is, is a lot less serious, which is a big thing and is no longer that way here. You're kind of stuck for 45 minutes at the uh, disposal of who's going to come in and, and possibly give you a few minutes. The players that did speak today on Monday were, uh, very good, but it was a small smattering. I think seven or eight guys that actually uh, talked on their way out the door into the offseason. I think there's a sense that there was legitimate progress made within this season, a hunger to raise the bar in 2024, and an understanding that Sunday's loss was an incredibly jarring reminder of just how difficult it is to have meaningful success in the NFL. So that was what I took away from there. In terms of a timeline for news this week, the Bears were spending all day Monday doing exit interviews with the players. At that point, I fully expect Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus to zoom out. At some point, Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren to zoom out. To have big picture, long-term discussions about how they envision this uh, football team becoming more prepared to compete for championships, that could take a day or two. It could take three days, potentially. But I think everybody just has to be, as we've cautioned for a few days now, patient. Understand the antsiness, understand the eagerness for answers, but uh, they are going to go through this thoroughly. They're going to go through this in a methodical fashion, and they're going to try to make the best decisions possible because I think you would agree with me, David, that this next series of decisions is absolutely pivotal to setting the direction for the team for a long time. I do think that's wise. I don't think they need to react emotionally in the moment, and sometimes that's how you can make uh, bad decisions or maybe uh, ones for the wrong reasons. We'll hear from DJ Moore. We'll hear from Jack Sanborn. We'll hear, we'll hear from Mercedes Lewis. There's a lot of conversation about what's ahead for the Bears, whether it's about Justin Fields' future or Jalen Johnson's or a lot of the uncertainty that um, faces the Bears in the offseason. 
I, I think I want to just reiterate a couple of things we talked about at Lambeau Field on Sunday night in terms of the three most pressing, I think, most commonly asked questions about what's ahead for Matt Eberflus, what's ahead for Luke Getze, what's ahead for Justin Fields. Dan, I think it's almost uh, – whether you agree with Matt Eberflus returning for a third season or not out there in Bear fandom, I do think it seems uh, like a tell, at least, that if he sat through – X interviews with every player from 7 a.m. in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't think they would do that with a coach they're about to fire. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is Kevin Warren's first time as the team president sitting in on this type of decision. And so uh, everything we've heard from Ryan Poles over the last several months has been incredibly supportive of Matty Berflus. Again, on the pregame show on Sunday uh, before the Bears-Packers game, he, he again vocalized his you know heartfelt endorsement of who Matt is as a leader and his ability to steady a ship uh, under pressure and, and during turbulent times. Um, that's all there. But I, I do think it's imperative that this organization from the top down stops for a minute and zooms out and takes a few minutes to, to figure things out. So I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not willing to go there with a final conclusion yet. Um, a final conclusion is coming and then we'll kind of just weigh that for what it is and see where it heads. Do you think that it's pertinent, uh, anything ab about potential candidates, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, if he decides to move on a coach who might be currently employed, we've talked about this before, also, as you think about an answer to that one, did anything that happened on what's traditionally known as Black Monday in the NFL, Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera um, were the first two coaches, I think, to get informed on Monday morning. They were fired. Did any of the news on Black Monday surprise you? One well, Panthers general manager Scott oh, Fitterer man. got launched. Right, I, I bring that up only because his his uh, role in helping to to stockpile the Bears with everything that we've been celebrating, uh, whether it be DJ Moore, the number one pick. It's like everything that's good in the Bears world was supplied by Scott Fitterer. So um, good luck to him in, in finding his next job. And that, that I know you had DJ Moore on the score of Monday morning, <laughs> expressing similar sentiments that yeah. that, he, that he may have had a role. Uh, he got him that, fired. That, yeah. I pretty much put it in those terms. He didn't disagree, but he got him fired. So, right, like that's that, that's part of this equation. Um, you know, it's a fluid week, and and you know how these things go. It, it, again, it's frenetic, it's frenzied at times, and you just kind of have to stick, st st keep keep tapped into as many things as you can because things are happening all over the league. Uh, as far as the national championship game, which played Monday night against Michigan, Michigan and Washington, rather. Um, I don't expect Jim Harbaugh to be in the mix for anything Bears related going forward. It seems like there's uh, been growing buzz in league circles. I think, if, as we've talked about previously, about the Chargers vacancy. And on Monday, it seemed like there was some um, momentum toward the Raiders potentially getting involved with Jim Harbaugh. So that uh, that kind of wraps up those two. But by the way, before we go any further, I, I had to bring this up, bring our audience behind the curtain. Uh, it's I, I always say late at Lambeau Field, but that was an afternoon game, so it wasn't as late. Uh, we recorded our podcast in side-by-side -side booths at Lambeau Field yesterday, and then uh, you went to return something at my spot in the press box, and we kind of passed as I was coming back, and, and you were in quite the hurry to get out of there. And I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, man David looked like he was like the roadrunner. All right, I'll check him out. See and I, and I, I sat back down, and I was, I'm staring out of the field, and I'm starting doing the math, and I'm like, well, wait a second. It's almost nine o'clock here in Green Bay. David's got to be on the air 
at 5.30 at WSCR. That's eight and a half hours. He's still got a three and a half hour drive to wherever he's sleeping. And then a 45 minute drive from there to the studio. And he's not just going to show up at the score at the minute that the, the red light goes on and you start recording. So I just want a little bit of a, a TikTok of uh, the eight and a half hours that, that passed from the time you left Lambeau Field to the time you, good you, question. you did your full-time job. Good, good question. Well, so yeah, it was a long day. Um, <laughs> so I did, here's what I did. After leaving Lambeau, and I'm sorry if I was abrupt and leaving, but I was in a hurry. Well, it was, there's no apologies necessary. Yeah, it made sense. I was hungry. Um, it was probably about 9, 15, 9.30 by the time I got out of Lambeau. And I drove to Evanston, where my son is a grad student at Northwestern. Wait, it sounds like you left out a food stop in there. Was there a food stop in there? I did stop for food. You know, Dan, I'm not proud of the choices we make as sports writers. Where did you stop? I kind of reverted back to the sports uh, sports writing days. I think it was in Port Washington or Port – Okay. Uh, in uh, in Wisconsin, is that what? Uh, yeah, you get a Culver's there on the way home, it, or what? There, there was there was a attempt at an Arby's, which okay. is a uh, it was closed, didn't like it, and then there was a uh, a brief skirmish, verbal skirmish at the McDonald's <laughs> drive-through, because I asked for a simple grilled chicken sandwich, and it came with French fries, and the French fries had to be put in and you know cooked, and it took like. Good seven minutes. It took seven minutes. <laughs> at a minutes. time where you didn't have and seven minutes I, to afford. I, you know, I am looking at ways. I am trying to get home to sleep. <laughs> I have got to get up and to the score by, you know, 5 a.m.-ish. Uh, and and the guy's just, like, telling me, this poor kid's by, by himself. But I'm like, look, seven minutes? Are we, are we there? I almost drove away. But he was holding <laughs> my chicken sandwich hostage. So I did not get the chicken sandwich until he gave me the fries. I had to wait for the fries in order to get the chicken sandwich. And I probably wasn't the most pleasant uh, customer or patron. So anyway, drive through, get the food stop, go through Milwaukee. Traffic wasn't bad. And I, I get to Evanston probably about um, 1215, probably about 1215, 1230. And uh, my son's uh, apartment was a good place to land. And from there, I had about a 35-minute drive downtown. Um, there's only one little caveat I need to include, probably two. As I think I may have talked about on the score, my son has a cat. Okay. Okay. Cat's name is Molly. <laughs> Molly uh, is more active than I am used to. And <laughs> Molly woke me up several times, like sitting on my head. So <laughs> I'm not a cat guy, Dan. We have, we have two dogs, not a cat guy. Anyway, did not sleep great couple hours sleep got up drove to um drove to the score and we did our show and here we are i mean this first and foremost is going to be the episode we submit for the score award because this is honestly like between the chicken sandwich skirmish and the cat on your head and the two and a half hours of sleep like that's like people need to know the dedication to the craft here and that that right there is a example of the dedication to the craft well i love lambeau field i i I do actually i i like that venue i like the rivalry obviously i do think it's a fun place to visit and there was a lot at stake and yeah and as i said to you you know if i'm going to build up as i did that game as the stuff that legends are made didn't quite go that way but it was worth going so anyway 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, and I thought we'd get some news. It was interesting to be there post game though, because as, as to take us back on, get it back on the rails here. The post game locker room uh, after Bears Packers is something that is you know hits a little different, and certainly went to season finale and the Bears lost after going in with such momentum. That's going to be something that is a reference point for the rest of the off season because of what we saw and because of what was said. Right. Um... You know, there's a couple takeaways from that for me. And number one, it's like you showed in 2023 that that you have been become more capable as a team of winning the should win games. You know, the the Arizona game, the Panthers game, the, the games that like you just absolutely should win. Then it's the could win games that that you really haven't made enough progress in. And and you know, the opener, week one, the finale, week eighteen, probably a half dozen in between there, um, left you with that feeling like there's some could win games there that that eventually have to become games that you handle at a higher percentage. I think the bears were coming to grips with that late Sunday evening that, that, that they weren't quite prepared to handle those types of games on a regular basis yet. There was a comment that Jaquan Brisker made um, in the locker room about the lack of respect he had for the Packers receiving core and, and essentially saying like, we didn't really expect much out of them because they don't really have much star power. And I saw a re- reply tweet to Mark Grody's tweet, putting that out on Monday from Aaron Jones saying, essentially, aren't you supposed to cover those guys? Isn't it it an easy day of work if that's what you think you're going against? And and like, I bring that up only to say that this team has had a repeated history of kind of feeling themselves prematurely or feeling themselves to a level that they haven't reached yet. And I think that's going to be really important in the 2024 offseason is to understand that, yes, again, progress was made. Improvement was made. The easy part is going from three wins to seven wins. The hard part is going from seven to 11. And the hardest part is having 11, 12 every single year and being in the playoffs every year. And they got to recognize that. You can't just be have this inflated and overinflated confidence that tells you you're something that you're not. See, I think that's interesting because we do have a tendency in Chicago to overstate small steps and to maybe uh, they look bigger than they actually are. Yes. And, and and I think that with the Bears, especially, I don't want to say especially under Matt Eberflus, but maybe so, they tend to handle adversity better than they handle success. You know, look, last year, boy, they were really, they stayed together during 3-14 and 14 and look what happened and they really good – good character guys in that locker room. And this year they really hung together during 0-4, that start that, that where they weren't ready for the season. Look at the, how they persevered. And then they have a little bit of a success to end the season and they get cocky. I mean, yeah. and, and you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was Darnell Mooney talking about a lull and a complacency. 
I don't know. Is that coaching? Is that atmosphere, culture? How, how do you uh, account for that? How do you eradicate that? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it is a problem. It needs to be eradicated for sure. And you have to, you have to be an organization that is constantly pushing to raise the bar until the bar is set at a level that puts you on the, the footing of the teams that are, are really good, the franchises that are really good. I ran the numbers over 20 years, 2004 to the present, on teams and their playoff appearance totals. And there are 11 teams in that 20-year span, including this year, that have made at least nine playoff appearances in the last 20 years. Like, that's the fraternity you're trying to join. There's a group of, of 13 teams that have had a stretch somewhere in the last 20 years where they've made it four years in a row. You want to get in that group at some point. The Bears are part of an eight-franchise group that has made five or less playoff appearances in the last 20 years. I'll just run through it really quick so you can know that the company that they keep, the Cleveland Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the uh, Miami Dolphins, who obviously are, are in, in a good spot now, the, the New York Jets, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Commanders, the Lions, who are now getting their fourth playoff appearance in the last 20 years, and, and the Bears. And so, like, you've got to get out of that group, you know, and, and in order to, to have meaningful success, in order to sustain meaningful success, part of it is um, figuring out how you define excellence, how you how you. Uh, chase achievement and 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 I guess classify achievement properly and so that that that's part of the process here this week and in, in the micro now that's the part of the process this week for Kevin Warren for Ryan Poles for everyone inside that building to try to get their brains wrapped around what kind of plan and who are the people to execute that plan will get us to get out of this muck and into a world that feels a lot nicer. I want to get into some of the comments from players that we mentioned, but I do want to get your sense of how to interpret real quick the longer we wait for some sort of clarity surrounding Matt Eberflus's status. You know, I, I know we went through the timeline and we know all about the meetings, but there also is a, you know, a perception piece to this and how they can control that. And this is a new way of doing business. So the bears, you know, we can't assume as we have for the last, Oh, I don't know, a couple of decades that they're going to be oblivious to the public, relations aspect sure. of keeping your coach in limbo when your fans wondering, do you expect any clarity um, before we hear from uh, the, them at the podium? Do you expect oh, yeah. a statement? Do you expect there, the, there better be some clarity before they okay. get up there for the first time. That would be odd if we didn't have any idea what we were walking into there. I, I, I don't read a ton into it yet. I do want to hear from them. I do want to hear from Ryan and I do want to hear from Kevin about what these next few days were like in retrospect, you know, in terms of what they were trying to get their uh brains to wrap around and what they were trying to process and the conversations that they were having. I don't think they have to share at all, but it would be nice to share some of it. I think they owe that to the audience. I would also be hopeful if we are taking a minute here to try to message to the people that run uh, those press conferences is to, to let's let this one breathe. You know, let's not put a time limit on this. This is a very pivotal time in Bears history with a lot of huge decisions that need to be made. And I know inside that media room, there is a, a long list of questions that are waiting to be asked, you know, and, and, and eager for answers and then eager for follow-up questions to those answers. So we can get a clearer picture of, of where their vision is, what their philosophies are and what we can do to, to kind of, set a roadmap going forward for the organization. This is my plea, open plea on the airwaves to say like, let's just let that breathe. You've been part of it before, David, where you've had like Phil Emery was the king of this. of just letting it sometimes drag out too long, but you, 
you can feel in the room when there's nothing left to be asked. And that's when you say, okay, that's it. But if you're at a state where six people are still talking over one another, please don't call out two more, <laughs> you know, because there's more than two yeah. more. I have to tell you, Phil Emery is not the uh, image that pops into my head when I think about these press conferences that are really good ones or long ones. Um, different sports, same idea. Uh, Theo Epstein, every year for the Cubs, would have an end-of-the-year State of the Cubs press conference and would stay until the last question was asked. And there was one epic one after, I think, 2017, the year they didn't win the World Series, and everyone's like, what's wrong? Uh, 71 minutes and he was there and he was n- n- not pressured, not intense, n- as transparent as can be. And you know how long, uh, how long that, how far that goes, you know, here we are all these it's years just, later to show a leadership, you know, it, it's, it is leadership. That's a great way to put it. It's strong leadership. It's transparency. And it shows you have nothing to hide. And yeah, right. And you don't have to share everything. I, I, I'm okay with not sharing everything, but at least field the questions and and have that back and forth and that exchange. I think that's important. Again, specifically now because this is this is so rare. It's it's such a, a once in forever opportunity for the Bears to have this this weird situation where they are an improved football team, where they do have a roster that is built to potentially compete on a meaningful level in 2024. They are armed with the number one pick. They do have the opportunity to go out in free agency and supplement their roster that way because of what Ryan Poles has done to, you know, bring health to their cap situation. And so like, let's just, let, let's get a feel for this because, you know, the next time that we're probably going to hear from these uh, folks is, you know, either when hirings are made, if the, if those are made or, or then at the, the scouting combine, which is um, painfully too close on the calendar right now for my liking. <laughs> And they can be conversations. They don't need to be inquisitions. I mean, they can yeah. be uh, a mixture of both. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so DJ Moore, um, as you said, was on the Mully and Haw show on Monday morning, and I thought he was very entertaining. And he said a lot of things, including the um, – the, you talk about an uh, interaction uh, with Mark Grody <laughs> – Mark Grody tracked down DJ Moore in the media parking lot to give him a box of cigars as courtesy or from the Mullane Haw show for thanking him um, for being a, a, re- a weekly guest. And it was hilarious because Grody didn't realize DJ Moore was parked in the media lot. And I just ran into him and he said, Hey, here's the cigars. And DJ like, what? Oh, okay. But anyway, DJ Moore was on our show. We, we loved having him on our show all season long, but Dan, uh, at the locker room, I'm not sure if you were there when he was speaking, but I was. set up what he had to say and what he was asked. Yeah. So, you know, DJ was just kind of in very DJ-esque fashion, kind of rounding up what his morning was like, what, what, what's going on going forward. And um, th- there's going to be a string of three answers here. And the first one is just kind of about the exit interview he had already had with Ryan Poles and Matty Berflues upstairs and, and what uh, that was like for him. Here's DJ Moore on his first exit interview as a Chicago Bear. For the meeting, uh, I give it an A plus. You know, it was open and honest. Uh, gave good feedback. They gave me their honest opinion on how my year went and uh, everything. And I mean, that'll stay between us uh, until they come out later on, and y'all see what happens. So we'll see. There's a guy that had some feedback, obviously, and obviously, I think DJ Moore's feedback for the offensive side of the ball means more uh, than a lot of guys in that room. You want to know from his view what what worked this year, what didn't. Obviously, he's been incredibly vocal for a long period of time now in his support for Justin Fields. They'll take that into consideration, <laughs> and then they'll take a lot of other things into consideration as well. 
He also talked about the offense, whether or not it played up to its capability this season. A lot of questions about Luke Getze, and this is what he had to say about the offense. Probably not, because we had some games where there was laws, and uh, we didn't finish out games uh, the best that we could. But the games that we win, I mean, that we won, uh, you can see the offense is, is on the rise and can be explosive uh, throughout the game. Hmm. I'm not sure I'm seeing the same thing, but well, I, in the games they won. Yeah, the game they won. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> against the defenses that were subpar uh, yeah. and the teams that weren't very good. That's the thing with the Bears. Obviously, the beating the teams that you know it's a last place schedule, and they benefited from that. And finally, he talked about what it would be like to have another receiver of his caliber opposite him. That'd be scary uh, for sure. But uh, I mean, yeah. But not not really to a cent because now that I think about it, it'd be that'd be nice. But uh, but then I'd be like, hmm. Say <laughs> so, no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I really don't care as long as one of us, one of the two, three, four, whatever we got coming in, uh, whoever's here, uh, somebody get the ball, make some positive happen, make some positive shake. We got two thousand yard people and Cole had like 800 plus or whatever backs have that anybody had any anytime you got that I mean that's a formula for the offense to be successful and for us to have more wins David that one's notable to me because this was DJ Moore in live action wrapping his brain around the possibility of the Bears adding another dog to the receiving core and sort of catching himself in mid thought and as much as we praise DJ for being low maintenance and unselfish there was a little bit of, in that answer where he's thinking oh man like if we get another another guy that's the go-to guy I'm not going to see the football as much yeah. he came this close to making the pro bowl this year and now I don't think it's like this this major thing that you blow up and blow out of proportion and turn into a headline but it is notable because these are things you have to manage as you're getting better as a football team. And, and just to hear DJ kind of processing that in, in real time was interesting. He's like, well, would I have 96 catches and 1,300 <laughs> yards next year if Marvin Harrison Jr. is right. opposite me? Right. Hmm. <laughs> is, is, that, is that what I'm signing up for? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I don't know that he would. I don't know that they need that. But I don't know if they're going to get that either because, uh, well, there's plenty of time to break down the draft. Uh, then the ja uh, Jack Sanborn also talked in the locker room. What did what did Jack Sanborn have to say, and what was the context, Dan? Yeah, so Jack uh, spoke for a long time, and I think the the biggest thing was um, just kind of being a voice in the the conversation of, about whether Matt Eberflus will be back, and and how kind of players are processing that as it unfolds. What are you guys? Is the feeling here that he will be back? I mean, for you guys talk about it. I mean, I don't know. That's not really my decision. Um, that's obviously, that's not my job to decide. So, uh, yeah. Could this locker room sustain a significant change like that? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, um, that's something that if that ever happens, then that, I guess that's when you'll find out. But you know, I think the men in this locker room are great. And, you know, credit to Ryan and everyone up uh, up there for bringing guys in this locker room. I mean, it really is a close locker room. You know, I enjoy everyone in here. Uh, it's been a, you know, even though it has been tough at times uh, these two years, you know, I can never, never complain about the locker room, never complain about the guys in here. Uh, been, I've loved going out every Sunday with uh, each and every person in here and even even during the week going to practice I mean it's been enjoyable been fun and uh so yeah gonna miss these times right here I like Jack Sanborn a lot I think he had a pretty solid year he, he played a little bit more yesterday maybe because 
uh, they were in the base more. I, I, I don't look, I haven't looked at this, the snap count, but he's a guy that stayed healthy, Dan. I think that's the other thing about the Bears season. You look at it, they end the season without any real serious injuries heading into the offseason, which is, I think, a key thing when you look at a big picture. Well, it's a key thing, but it also kind of factors into your evaluation of of the final record because, the, you know, the, the surge that they were on late in the year was with really good health and, and they were on the right side of that. And that's not going to happen every year. And so you're trying to get yourself equipped as a football team to be able to be really good even when you're not super healthy and they're going to have to find their way to there. I think you also heard in, in Jack's voice there is kind of the sentiment inside the locker room of like, we'll find out when we find out. There's people that are paid a lot more money uh, or at least have a lot more power, I guess would be a better way to put it upstairs that make those decisions. And I don't get the sense that the locker room is going to be jolted if Mandy Bifluss is let go. And I don't think that they're going to be throwing parades if he stays. I think it's going to be like, okay, we're really happy if he's back. If he's not, tell us who our new leader is and, and we'll go forward. So that'll be interesting. I think there's a, a, a profound amount of respect for Matt Bifluss and, and the steadiness he provides and the way, particularly defensively, he unlocked some very important growth within that unit. Um, but this is the NFL and like guys are, are on a, a, a ticking clock and they're trying to achieve the highest achievements as fast as they can. And, and so this is going to be really interesting to see how the bears play this, which only makes the career of Mercedes Lewis, all the more remarkable 39 years old, the oldest player in the NFL or the oldest non quarterback in the NFL, I believe is that, is that the designation Dan? And, and yeah. he was, uh, in the locker room as well on locker cleanup. Day. His 40th birthday is coming in May, David. He just finished his 18th season. And, and a lot of times a guy like that is going to sit in front of his locker on a day like this and be like, need to take some time before I figure out what's ahead for my future. Marcetti was, was to the point that I'm rolling, I'm rolling. Basically bring it on season 19. I feel like the things I put on tape this year were just as good. I don't, I don't feel like I'm turning 40. I, I admire the guy. It was like a, a lengthy session at his locker today, David. And it felt like you were with uncle big dog, you know, <laughs> just getting his wisdom. And some of the stuff that he shared with us was about uh, being around Justin Fields for the last four plus months. And, and so uh, Mercedes took a handful of questions on that. I believe the first one was just about the overall development of Justin. I mean, you guys see what I see. Uh, an amazing athlete. I feel like uh, he's continuing to develop. Uh, and to be honest, like, no matter if you're in your third year or your 18th year, development is a process, right? Uh, and if you're somebody that understands that the room for growth is always spacious, then you're going to continue to grow. And I feel like he's at that spot. Uh, I feel like he's done a really good job of um, – getting better every day um he's a guy that you know wants to win and wants to be great so um i tip my hat to him uh for just going out there and doing his best you know with, with what he's given and you know that's all you can do is do your personal best you live with the results have no regrets uh so um you know the other thing that you're asking is you know that's not my job to to kind of answer those type of questions but just as a player and as a person um, he wants to be right and um, when you have that you give yourself a chance and then David he was Mercedes was asked whether the organization should stick with Justin in 2024 that's going to be up to the organization in general but I feel like Justin is a guy that wants to be great he loves being here um, his teammates love him so, I mean, that's all I can really give you as far as that's uh, concerned. But, 
like I said, you know, he's, he did some things this year that kind of wowed me. So um, definitely a guy that's getting better for sure. Hmm. You know, it, 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 you, can't, you can't help but be struck by the respect level that Justin Fields has achieved among his teammates, especially Meaningful. the veteran teammates. Yeah, no, it's meaningful. It really is. And, and and so that's part of the calculus and part of the equation that the Bears have to to sort through here. Uh, there's a lot more to it, obviously. And you walk out of Lambeau Field on the final day of the season and you just you have your your right in front of you example of the development that you hoped your quarterback would make that the quarterback of the rival did make. And you go, man, that is a, a striking contrast and people get all up in arms. Oh, they only let Justin throw 16 passes and you know, the season finale, well, they called 25 passing plays and in, in 46 offensive snaps. And there was, you know, five sacks and four scrambles and balls that weren't thrown. And um, that's the end result. And it's just like, you know, that, that performance, on Sunday, David, didn't feel like an outlier. It felt like one we've experienced a dozen or more times in three years. And it just left you with that feeling. Like, I, I don't know if you're Ryan Poles and you stand up and go board the, the bus and get on the plane that, at night, how you don't just sit there and go, I've watched that. I've watched that too many times before, and I can't continue to watch that. 38 starts, you know, and 38 starts speak a lot louder collectively than just one game against the Packers in a game you needed to win. It wasn't because of him on Sunday that they lost. It was just, uh, it was one of those games that he's had many of before and the passing numbers weren't where they needed to be. Offensive line didn't protect him. The receivers may not have gotten open, but he's got a responsibility and a role in that as well. No question. And so I'm going to leave you with two things on this conversation here. Number one is Montez Sweat came in in November. And we used the phrase multiplier for two, two plus months because everyone around him instantly got better and, and, and started playing better ball. The Bears interception total went up. Their pressure rates went up. Justin Jones was sacking the quarterback every other game. You know, Tyreek Stevens and Jalen Johnson are getting picks like the, these things happen when good players make others around them even better. And it just hasn't happened over three years with Justin. He hasn't been that multiplier. The other number that I tweeted out late Sunday night was in the last three road games of the season, Minnesota, Cleveland and Green Bay, the Bears scored one offensive touchdown. It was on a four play one yard drive in <laughs> Cleveland in their final three road games. And so look like the, the, the no excuses to her, like the excuse bus kept pulling up along the way. And then the excuse bus stopped in late November and said, well, now he's got seven games to end his third season that are going to be the actual test for who he can be as a quarterback. And those three games on the road were part of that seven-game test. You know, in those last seven games, I think it was five touchdown passes, three interceptions, a a rating in the mid-80s, and it was everything you needed to know, you know? And so now the the hard decision comes with what is is the potential exit strategy? What are the potential replacement plans? And they've got to put that puzzle together at Hallis Hall. But it just, you know – you remove emotion from it. You remove the sentimental attachment that I think a lot of people in this city have had over three years to the adrenaline rushes that, that Justin has provided and, and the dignity, maturity, and, and humility with which he's handled himself. And you just are left with it a, a, a very cold evaluation of a quarterback that tells you he's not good enough yet and may never be to take you to the, the level that we were talking about, which is to get in the playoffs 10 times in 20 years and be one of those teams that's in it four years in a row, et cetera, et cetera. And so it'll take a while before the bears get to that point when they do something, whether, you know, executing a trade is not going to happen anytime soon. So it's going to be an awkward off season 
the Bears have to conduct and do perform their due diligence with, you know, all of the draft prospects, but especially the quarterbacks, especially Caleb Williams, and barring any egregious revelation that would lead you to, to stay away from somebody. And a year ago this time, we were talking about Jalen Carter, about being the best player in the draft. So you have to allow yourself always that, that little bit of wiggle room uh, to qualify everything we say about the best quarterback in the draft and who they might be leaning toward and who is transcendent in the eyes of many scouts because the, the research and the background checking that could reveal something that we haven't learned yet. Well, we've got a couple months to get into this, but probably um, on the top five list of things that fascinate me about the, this upcoming stretch is the fact that the Bears also have another top 10 pick in addition to number one. And they've got an opportunity like there were several years in a row after the Khalil Mack trade where, where there were 40 some prospects in the draft that they knew they weren't going to be able to touch because they weren't going to be able to pick high enough to pick them. Well, now literally every player that's eligible for the draft is in play for the bears and they've got to do homework on all of them. Like you, you think about the added volume of work there of going out now and, and, and doing this, this really intense and, and, you know, burdensome quarterback evaluation. Well, by the way, you might want to draft a receiver in the top 10. So you got to go talk to every single receiver who's in this draft class as well. It goes every position across the board. Like there is a lot of work for the, the talent evaluation staff, the scouts, uh, Ryan Poles' front office to do in the coming months. And they better find the right processes to do it because it's truly uh, important. And, and I just can't ever remember a team being in a position like this where, You've got that number one pick and a quarterback-rich draft. And oh, by the way, the rest of the draft also has to happen as well, including at number nine, which is where the Bears' own first-round pick reside. It's a good spot to be in, and we're going to be here for every step of the way. It's going to be a busy week out at Hallis Hall. And if news happens, we will jump in and have what they like to call the emergency pod or whatever we want to do. But keep it right here on the Take the North on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, as well as the 670 Scores YouTube page. Dan, anything before we get out of here? Anything else? No, I guess the only last thing I had is I just was wondering how the chicken sandwich turned out. <laughs> well, I have to say, <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't uh, look rankled before he put it together and in the bag because it might have been a little bit iffy. <laughs> well, chicken sandwich went down well, and uh, it was definitely well needed. Although, I did have to say this, and, and Mark Grody did – for some odd reason, uh, videotape me in the cheese curd line. So I, <laughs> I haven't did, seen that video yet. I have. He tweeted out on Sunday night. I had cheese curds and bratwurst for the first time in a very long time. And I must say they were delicious. Oh, I had a bratwurst at halftime. Uh, that's something you got to do. Uh, and then inhaled an entire a bulk size bag of Cheez-Its on the drive home through the through the darkness of Wisconsin. So that's that's what got me back to Brown Deer, Wisconsin on Sunday. Well, that's great. Good old Brown Deer. Good old bag of Cheez-Its. Nothing like nothing says Wisconsin than a big old bag of Cheez-Its. There you go. All right. So that's good stuff. We will be back whenever news breaks. We appreciate you checking us out here at Take the North on the Free Odyssey app. And we will talk to you next time whenever there's news at Hallisall. Thank you for listening. Great talk to you out there.